Jason, he's going to come up and testify. We like to always be edified with a good testimony. Man, let's give him a hand. Uh, let's give the Lord a round of applause, guys. How are you guys doing today? Good? Good to be in the house of the Lord. Um, I was approached by Pastor Berto. Uh, it was a, a little bit at last notice, but, you know, that's no biggie for us uh, warriors in Christ, right, you know? And um, I just wanted to testify a little bit. My name is Jason. I, uh, I've been attending uh, Metro Praise International for a, a little over a year now. And prior to attending Metro Praise, I actually uh, used to go to my father's church. My father's church was not too far from here. It was on Diversity in Central Park. And it was a Hispanic congregation. And uh, this congregation um, was not too old. It, it lasted about maybe four years. And unfortunately, the, the congregation started getting smaller. And the building was put up for sale. And just things started getting harder and harder. People started leaving. And, and we just kind of noticed that, that maybe this, this wasn't the right timing for it. And unfortunately, my dad had to do what was one of the hardest things for a pastor, which was close down a church. So upon doing that, you know, I was, I was borderline bitter. I was a little bit upset. But, you know, God smacked some sense into me right away. He was like, no, it's not my fault. You know, it's just timing. So randomly I just walked into this church I knew I knew someone from this church and I knew that they went to a church you know called Metro Praise so I just showed up one Sunday and I walked in and it blew my mind you know the Lord the Lord worked some some magic that day and I've been attending there ever since and so um, you know transitioning from church to church from school to college I graduated last year all within the same time from school to to, to, from high school to college, from church to church, from jobless to having a crazy hard job. It was, it was, it was wild, but, you know, uh, a verse comes to mind, and it's in Proverbs. If you guys want to turn there, Proverbs 3, 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. And it's crazy that's what he did for me you know and my path continues to be made straight and you know you constantly have to remind yourself don't try to take matters into your own hands you know give it to the Lord who knows who knows what your plans are you know his plans for you is just it's crazy so you know for for anybody who's going through transitions through anxiety perhaps you know just I encourage you to just cast that onto the Lord and don't, don't take it into your own hands and don't beat yourself up over it because the Lord is with you. And it's, it's, it's fantastic, you know. So I just want to encourage everybody here. And I just want to close out in prayer. So if you guys, you know, bow, bow your heads if we can close your eyes. We're just going to pray. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for, for the opportunity to be here without being persecuted in your house, Lord, just worshiping you and just learning about you, God. We pray, God, that you bless this service, bless the worship, blessed be your name, Lord. Lord, we thank you, God, and we just want to worship you today and that your name will be exalted, God. We pray all this in your mighty name, and everybody said, amen. Hallelujah. How's it going? My name's Ishmael, and we're going to worship the Lord right now. Who's excited to praise God at this place? All right, there's about four of you. <laughs> Who's excited to praise God in this place? Let's just clap our hands right now. Father God, I declare 
that your people are free. Father God, I declare that these men and women of God are chosen, are holy, are righteous by the blood of the Lamb. And Lord, in the name of Jesus, I loose them all right now to praise you, to glorify you. In the name of Jesus, I loose them all right now, God, to dance and to sing before you. In the name of Jesus, God, I loose them, God, to show you a crazy dance, to show you a wild worship. Be blessed by our praise.
name I declare you liberated by the blood of the lamb so if you feel free let the redeemed of the Lord say so the Bible says let the redeemed of the Lord say so if you feel free this morning I want you to demonstrate it I want you to show it to God don't do it for me just do it for him because he bled on the cross for you because he showed himself holy for you righteous and clean and full of grace and love for you. So right now, we're gonna sing this part. And Lord God, I declare that your people are free, free to do what they want to do, to praise you, to run, to shout, to dance. Father God, I loose them in the name of Jesus. Nothing's holding them back. And nothing's gonna hold me back. Come on. Lift up your hands and declare that. And nothing's gonna hold me back. One more time. And nothing's gonna hold me back. And nothing's gonna hold me back. Get ready to go. Get ready to go. Give him a hug if you know him. If you don't, 
get to know him, then give him a hug. Just lift up your hands, say, Jesus, I know you're inside of me. I know you reside in me. Hallelujah. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I'm alive to live for you. I'm alive to live for you. sold everything you had and you bought the field because you knew there was something precious in it. You saw the field, you surveyed the land and you said there's something precious. There is a treasure in that land and I will give everything I have. I will sell it all and I will buy that land because there is a treasure in it. Beloved, you are the treasure that God came for. Beloved, you, you, yes, you, you're the treasure that God came for. He saw it worth selling everything, giving everything to you. Oh, you gave everything. You gave everything. Come on, it's okay. the next thing. Hallelujah. Let's not wait for the next thing. You are the next thing. Revival's in you. Let it out. Come on. Revival's in you. Let it out. Let it out.
breaking chains right now. Right now. The Lord's breaking chains. He's loosing you right now. He's setting you free right now. You haven't been able to praise him like this in a long time. You haven't been able to praise him like this in a long time. But now you know that you're in his presence. Now you know that this is real. You remember what this feels like. You remember what this feels like. You've been here since you were a little kid. You remember what this feels like. And the Lord declares over you, you are still mine. You're still mine. I still claim you. I still claim you right now. I still claim you. I still claim you, says the Lord. That's being satisfied. There's a hunger that's being satisfied by the rivers of His grace, by the rivers of His holiness. Hallelujah. You satisfy. You satisfy my thirsty soul. You satisfy. And I thirst no more. You satisfy, you satisfy my thirsty soul. You satisfy, now I thirst no more. You satisfy, you satisfy my thirsty soul. You satisfy, now I thirst no
Hallelujah. No place compares to your presence. No place compares to your love. I don't want to be anywhere else than here with you, oh God. Oh, you satisfy my heart. You satisfy my soul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, better is one day in your courts, oh God, than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. I would rather be a doorkeeper. I would rather be a doorkeeper. I would rather mop the floors. I would rather be a servant in the house of God than dwell in the tents of the wicked because this is where your presence resides. This is where your presence is, oh God. I would rather be here than a thousand elsewhere. There's nothing in the world that I would rather do than be right here, Jesus. Than be right here in your presence. Than feel you the way I do. Than feel the love the way I do. give you the glory Hallelujah. oh your presence is so thick in this room oh we thank you Abba that you would come to us you love our worship you love to be with us oh God thank you Jesus oh we rejoice in this room today God we rejoice oh God we give you glory God thank you Abba Glory! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! 
another hand clap of praise. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. You may wake, make your way back to your seats. Hallelujah. I see the children leaving. If there are any more, you are dismissed to your class. My name is Lauren Sienski. I'm one of the pastors here at MPI. And I'm going to preach the gospel to you this morning. And we do this every week because we want every person that walks through those doors to have an opportunity to know Jesus. To have an opportunity to have your sin wiped out. If you can turn to my scripture, Romans 6.23 it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For the wages of sin is death. Sin, the fair payment, the wages, the fair payment of sin is hell. Sin deserves hell. When a sinner goes to hell, they're getting what they deserve. As bad as that seems, as hard as that is to hear, it is the truth. The fair payment of one sin is hell, but praise God, it doesn't end there. But the gift of God, the gracious gift of God that comes through the blood of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is eternal life for those that choose him today. There is a free gift with your name on it. See, man will mark his own way to hell. His sin will take him to hell. And another man will go to heaven by what Jesus did. There's no good in us. There's nothing good enough in us to go to heaven. It's not by our own merit. It's by Jesus Christ. So if you are in this room this morning and you have not received that free gift of eternal life, of everlasting life, I invite you to receive the most precious gift ever given to mankind. You don't have to do anything. Jesus already did it on the cross. So come and receive. During our fellowship time, we are going to have prayer workers over here. We're going to have Pastor Griselda and Elliot. Come to them and let them pray for you and teach you about what it means to be saved. Can you stand to your feet with me? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for your presence in this room, even now, God. And I ask you for every heart in this room that does not know you. I pray that today they would make that decision to draw closer to you and to know you as their personal Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give him a hand clap of praise. We're going to now recite our confession of faith. We do this because it is our Christian worldview. It's what we stand on and what we believe. So on the count of three, let's say it together. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. 
I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Go ahead and greet your neighbor. Shake somebody's hand that you don't know. Salvation sounds a new beginning. As distant hearts begin. On behalf of all the leadership, we are so thankful and excited that you joined us for service this morning. What a powerful time in the Lord's presence. How many of you guys love to worship God? That is our lifestyle. It's not just a one-time event on Sunday mornings, but we live a life of worship. Amen. Welcome again to Metro Praise. Our services here are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. And then every Fridays we have Elevate at 7 p.m. for ages 11 to 18 years old. If you know anybody in that age group, invite them on by for Friday nights. We have our Boricua Fest outreach coming up. It's right around the corner. Come on, this is like our annual Metro Praise missions trip. So for those of you guys who can't really get out of state, out of the country to go do missions, we have a mission trip scheduled right here in our very own city. So June 20th, from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., we're going to be meeting here and hitting the streets out by Humble Park and preaching the gospel of Jesus. 
to everybody that comes to that fest. So we have a lot of creative ways of doing it. It's going to be one-on-one evangelism. We're going to have a talent show out there preaching the gospel, worshiping right there on that grass area in front of the hundreds of people walking by. So we want all hands on deck, especially if you've never been a part of an outreach. So we want to encourage you guys all to come out to the Puerto Rican Festival. Again, it's Saturday, June 20th, 9 to 5. We want to see you there. And then following after that, the following month, we have our annual summer retreat coming up. It's been a while since we've gone. It used to be done annually from the time we started the church, but it's going to be in Devil's Lake. As soon as our peeps back there switch that slide, Devil's Lake retreat, come on. It's going to be in Baraboo, Wisconsin, Friday, July 31st through Saturday, August 1st. So mark those dates also in your calendar. You could sign up in the back with myself or Pastor Griselda, or you can do it on your own, going to the website and following the instructions. You could click on this page on our website. So we want for all who can to come, it's going to be a great time of fellowship and just having fun in the outdoors. So please see us after service if you have any more questions about that. Our vision here is very simple. It's loving God and loving people. Let's say it together, loving God and loving people. Those are the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us. So we strive to live like that with all of our heart. And our discipleship strategy is threefold. It's connect, mentor, and send. And our desire is to connect you to the church, connect you to Jesus through our life groups. Somebody say life groups. If you turn your handout around in the back, you're going to have a list of life groups that we have meeting this quarter. All different types from whatever place in life that you are. We have different places, times. Some have childcare, some are for the children. So we really want to encourage you as a church to find a place to belong and get plugged into a life group so you could build those lasting friendships. And we want to give you a snapshot of what we have going on for this week. So today we have our single mamas life group come on with childcare provided meeting at 5 p.m. Tuesday we have the resistance elevate life group 11 to 18 years old, meeting 6 p.m. at the church. Wednesday, Righteously Redeemed Life Group, Elevate, 11 to 18 years old, meeting at 6 p.m. at the church. Wednesday, it's every week for the King's Kids. We have their life group. It's infant to 11 years old, Royal Rangers Boys Club, Impact Girls Club, where we disciple your children. So drop them off at 6.30. You can pick them up at 8 and allow our leaders to pour Jesus into them, to teach them the ways of the Lord and enjoy some free time off. Friday, we have two adult Bible studies that meet every week. One is at the Govea's house. The other one is at the Walker's house. 18 years and up, 7 p.m. Child care is included at that. So if you're an adult over the 18 or older, you have got to be at those life groups on Fridays. Getting into the word of God, fellowshipping with other believers, and building friendships in the church. You've got to be there. And then Saturday, every week, we have evangelism. All ages are welcome. We meet at the church at 5 and then hit the streets. If you've never done so, we encourage you to do that. It'll build your faith and make you bold for Christ. And then we want to mentor you. Somebody said mentor. We have leaders ready to take you through the 101 book called Welcome to Your New Life. So if you're new in the Lord, new to church, or you've been saved for a long time, you want to get a part of MPI, we want to take you through this book, Seven Steps to Your Spiritual Growth. And when you graduate 101, you'll get into the 201 class disciples that make disciples this is where we train you to be a leader and then we want to send you out to keep winning people for Jesus and our goal here at MPI is to have a hundred thousand disciples with 50 churches in the city and 500 around the world if you believe we could do that by God's grace and power say amen look to your neighbor say you're in that number look to your other neighbor say so are you 
It's powerful. God wants to use all of us to win our city. So we are a part of that 100,000. And it started with just my husband and I. March 2005, we started the church, and here we are. So how many of you guys believe we can win our city and our nations for Jesus? Come on. We all got to be in it together. Let's get ready to get into our lesson on offerings. It's going to be at the Disciples Giving Book website. You can follow along on the screen. We are on section two of the book. It's all about offerings. Lesson eight, offerings can be used for charity. We're going to be reading in 2 Corinthians 9, 9. You could turn in your Bibles there or follow along on the screen. The offering is a gift to God after our tithe. So that's the theme of this section. Everything that we give to God after our tithe is our offering and the, the importance of that. Let's read in 2 Corinthians 9, 9. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. So powerful. Here are the three main points from that verse. Number one, freely scattered. When we give our offerings, we should do so freely and with a joyous heart because we know we are helping others in need. That should bring a joy to our heart when we're offering help, financial help, material help to those that don't have enough. Number two, gifts to the poor. One of the main purposes for offering is to help the poor. Char charitable groups such as homeless shelters, food pantries, foreign aid, medical clinics, and rehabs are supported by the offerings of Christians. Praise God. Number three, righteousness endures forever. The temporary gifts we give the needy will be remembered by God forever. However, the things we selfishly spend our money on will be forgotten in eternity. Therefore, be righteous and give offerings to charity that will be remembered forever. Only the things that we do on this earth for the kingdom of God will last. Everything else that we have, everything else that we accumulate is going to be burned away. All that we do for the kingdom of heaven is going to last forever. God will remember it forever and ever, and it will be our righteousness that comes up as an offering to God. How powerful is that? And I say it every week. We have the honor and the privilege to be co-laborers with Christ. Let's not take that for granted. Here's a summary. Our generous offerings that we give joyfully and freely to charity are considered righteous and will be remembered by God forever. Let's apply this to our life. Number one, be a faithful tither. That belongs to the Lord no matter what above everything else. Number two, freely and joyfully give your offerings to charity to help the needy. Three, as you give, also pray for those suffering in the world. May our prayers and our giving be coupled together to reach the world for Jesus. Let's confess this over our life on the count of three. One, two, three. The offering is a gift to God after the tithe and is given in a variety of ways. God said it should be a generous seed given with a cheerful heart from personal sacrifice. Offerings will always bring thanksgiving to God because they go towards charity and ministry supplies. We give offerings in obedience to God's word, sharing with others our blessings with a gracious heart by imitating Jesus and revealing where our treasure really is. If your treasure is with Jesus and in heaven, please stand up to your feet with me this morning as we prepare to give God our tithe and offering, our very best. Again, MPI believes that, a ten, that the tithe is 10% of our total income, and anything given above the tithe is considered an offering to the Lord, an amount that is between you and God that he places on your heart. And here at MPI, we designate our offerings to two places, towards missions and to building. And currently, we are in a building fund. And give yourselves a round of applause for your generosity 
because Metro Praise International, you have purchased our new 12 passenger van. It is awesome. It is beautiful. We've got it checked out. It has been purchased. So we just thank you so much for partnering with us to reach this city. And everything that has been uh, raised for this month of May, we're going to give you an update next Sunday for the total. And everything left over that we have is going to go towards getting that logo put up there because that's computerized and everything going towards insurance. So thank you, thank you, thank you. It is amazing what God's people can do when we rally together for the kingdom of God. And so we also want to give you guys two other options to make it convenient for giving online or in the back. If you have any questions, please see myself or Pastor Griselda as well for that. Let's recite this verse together. Luke 6, 38. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for your generosity, your, your faithfulness. You showed us first, by example, what it means to give selflessly. And I thank you for this body. I thank you for this church that has rallied together to see your kingdom come onto this earth. I pray that you bless them, prosper them, give them raises and increases on their job. Meet their needs according to your glorious riches as they put you first and are faithful tithers, faithful givers of offerings out of a generous heart. I pray that you would allow us and help us to reach Chicago and the nations for you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Please come forward this morning as you give, and thank you so much for your generosity. many love Jesus make some noise whoop whoop come on how many how many know today's a good day whether the weather knows it or not whether the weather knows it or not today is a good day I felt bad for all the boaters this weekend. I don't know if anybody likes to boat. I know you live by some boaters. I just felt so bad for them. Normally, I don't feel bad for them because I'm like, y'all got too much free time on your hands, being on the boat, chilling. But I was just thinking about them. Man, if this was your weekend off, you had the boat, you, you saw Thursday, it was 80 degrees, you were ready to take it out, and then lo and behold, it dropped 50 degrees. Come on, everybody just go, ah, oh, that's for the boat people. That's for the boat. So if you're, any, if you're a boat person, we felt sorry for you. But how many are happy for some Blackhawk fans? Chicago going to the Stanley Cup. It's happening. That's about all I can say because I don't know anything about, else about hockey. But I'm so happy they're going. <laughs> 
I will celebrate when they get there. Here, let me just help Chicagoans here. Let me just help Chicagoans. Okay, watch. All Chicagoans, look up at me. I wasn't born in Chicago, so i got to pick on you a little bit here, okay, because I remember seeing the pictures of the Michael Jordan days, the Sox days, and all of this. Okay, here's the deal. Everybody look up at me. If we win the Stanley Cup, again, destroying your property, rioting downtown is not good, okay? So nobody set a car on fire. I, I, I don't know if this happened the first time they won, but I know when the Bulls won, I had people in the church that told me they would throw garbage cans across the street. They set people on fire. Not to set people on fire, set things on fire. Does anybody remember when the Bulls won and it was a little cray-cray? And I had people in the church tell me they did. Okay, so don't do that. So if we win, we celebrate. We're happy, right? Y'all looking at me like you don't even care. Anyways, just be, just be happy. So I guess we didn't need to make that pastor warning. I'm sorry. Open up your Bibles with me to the book of Isaiah. Uh, was, did I, was, was that like a grandpa warning there? Like, pastor, who's going to do that? Nobody's going to do that. Now you watch. If you see it on TV and somebody's setting cars on fire, I told you guys not to do it. Amen. We got a great message for you today. Good to have everybody here. We have our special guest all the way from Peoria, Illinois, Pastor Lorenzo Inverti. Would you stand up? Would we give them a good hand clap? God bless you for coming. Thank you. It's been an honor hanging out with them. Long story short, Pastor Lorenzo is a well-studied man. He found our book online, read it, uh, Discipleship-Based Churches. He contacted me and said, I would really love to come see your church and see how you guys are making disciples. So give yourself a hand clap for being a disciple, loving Jesus. Come on. Awesome. So good to have you guys here. Today is our last sermon in the series, Fear Not. And it has been so exciting for me to watch God bring two guest speakers to our church to preach on Sunday. Now, if you've been around for any time, you know that we don't have a lot of guest speakers here. I really covet our time to covet the time to speak to you guys, so I don't give that up a lot. And uh, especially if one comes, we don't do two back to back. But if you notice, these last two weeks, it's been so powerful. God has been speaking through them. There was a lot of things that I didn't even have in my notes that they were sharing. So if you missed it, I want you to go back to the website, check out their messages, okay? One was on fearless faith. That was last week. Pastor Jim talked about the persecuted church and how we can just live in boldness for God and not be afraid even if people try to kill us because if they kill us, where do we go? to heaven. So it's like, oh, that's not too bad of a deal, right? But there's nothing really to fear about death. We're going to heaven. Things are going to be all right. Like the worst you can do to me is send me the greatest place in the universe. I guess I'm going to be okay and I'm not going to be afraid. And, and that's really something to think about because if your greatest treasures are here, then you don't understand what's up there. Now I'm not saying neglect your family. God forbid. I'm the best dad you have ever met in your life and I will prove it. I will arm wrestle you, okay? All you dads, okay? I know I got a lot of good dads in here, but listen, if I don't teach my kids about heaven, then when we die, it's over. I never get to see them again. We perish, and it's not going to be good. I won't be with my children in hell. God forbid. Are you with me? But if I teach them about heaven and God's plan, the big picture here, I can be with them for eternity. Amen? So just remember that. And then the message Dr. Cook preached was perfect love drives out fear. Talking about when you really know God, fear is driven out from your life. When we don't know God, fear has a little hiding place in our heart. 
heart because we have doubts and worries and we don't really know if things are going to work out for our benefit. And I feel so sorry, literally, I pity, I feel sorry for people who don't have God in their life because when they look at their mirror mirror in the morning, they go, gosh darn it, people like me, I'm awesome. If they don't have God in their life, that's not true. You're just a monkey talking to yourself. Hello? Right? If you don't have God, you're just an evolved monkey talking to yourself. You're not really that special. Nobody really cares about you. Your family is just a bunch of ants on this planet in a big old universe. You know, it's going to go away. This anthill is going to be destroyed one day. Are you with me? It's kind of depressing, right? That's why I feel sorry for people who don't have God in their life. And this is not to mock them, but hey, you could have a lot of money. You could have a lot of fame. Anybody here, Robin Williams, and still kill yourself because you don't know what you should know, and that's that God made you. Okay, so she preached on that. Perfect love casts out all fear. So you're not an evolved primate. You're not just here for dollars and cents. You know, if, it do, if I'm not making dollars, it don't make sense, dude. No, that don't make sense, you know, because if you're not, if you're not living for Jesus, you and your money are going to burn. And some people like to go, I'm just a self-made man. I don't need God. You know, people need God. They need God like a crutch. You know, I'm a self-made man. No, you don't understand. You're a self-made mess. You're a mess without God. Hey, do you know all the stars in the sky? Do you know how to get to heaven? Do you know how to help yourself on your deathbed? Every human being comes to the end of themselves. If you don't think you become a mess when you die, just go to the nursing home, okay? Go to the nursing home and see what people are like before they die. They become a mess. They poo-poo on themselves. They have to wear depends. They eat out of a straw, and that's the ones that make it that far, the ones that didn't die in a heart attack on their way home from work. Are you with me? You see, perfect love drives out all fear because I know when this flesh, and it's some good-looking flesh. i got to tell you, i got some sun Thursday. I've been losing some weight. But this flesh, as good-looking as it is, is going to wither up and die. As much as I love my children, I will have to say goodbye to them one day. I will be at a deathbed, and they will be with me. If, if I get to say goodbye, are you tracking with me? And I will have to leave them into the teachings that I have given them. I won't be there to protect them anymore. I want them to be able to say, Dad, it's okay to go. Have you ever been around a loved one's bed like that? When my grandma was passing, my dad had to go to my grandma with the brothers, with my aunt, his sister, and say, Grandma or Mom, it's okay to go. We're all here now. Mom, it's okay to go. That's that's real, isn't it? Now we're going to talk about being anxious for nothing. Are you guys up this morning? I want you to flip over onto your notes, uh, to flip the piece of paper over or your smartphone. Does everybody here have smartphones? If you don't have a smartphone, what kind of phone do you have? A dumb phone. A dumb phone. Okay, so (laughs) either pull out your notes or your smartphone, and I want you to write down your top five biggest fears in life right now as we get ready to preach the last message of the series, Fear Not. Here's today's message, be anxious for nothing. So I want you to write out your biggest fears. If you need some help thinking about fears, I wrote some of mine down. And now it may surprise you that pastor, me, deals with fears, but I do. Fear the past, fear people few kind of people sometimes I'm afraid of. What are they going to say about me? What are they going to think about this message? Hey, is that not real? I mean, I mean, I'm confessing it. Fear of the past. Fear of people. Fear of bad things happening to you. Fear of the night. Fear of sickness. Fear of poverty. Fear of rejection. Fear of there not being a God. Even as a pastor, sometimes I'm like, 
what if there isn't a God? What if I am just that primate, primate that, I, that, I, that I hear about in evolution? What if this is all meaningless? Seriously, I mean, I've had that fear before. Fear of harm happening to my family. How many of you mothers, especially mothers here, are like my wife? Every time you read something in the newspaper, you're like, oh, my gosh, this could happen to my kids right now. Oh, no. Oh, no. Let's get, let's get ready. Like, seriously, I don't know. Come on. Some of you women are like, no, I don't think like that. I'm going to watch you next time, okay? I'm going to be with you on Facebook. I'm going to be next to you watching what, what your reaction is when you hear about three kids getting abducted. Because let's keep it real. Mothers, don't you get a little freaked out sometimes? Three kids got abducted from the school down from my house or this person did this. You get, you, you get freaked out sometimes, don't you? I know I do. My wife has a fear of harm happening to your family, fear of the devil. Okay, so what are your top five? Now, what if I told you as you're looking at those top five right now that God actually told you and I to be anxious for nothing? That there is not one of those things that you have in your life right now that he wants you to be afraid of. Now, lest I be accused of talking in a way where you think I'm painting a picture where there's a world where there is no harm, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that bad things can't happen to you. Two weeks ago, Dr. Cook talked about being raped while being a missionary in India. That's pretty real. Can it get any more crazier than that, okay? Let's imagine me being in India and me being raped. I couldn't think of anything more crazy, right? How many ladies would, would pretty much think that's probably about as bad as it can get or being abducted and kidnapped? I mean, it, it, can, it can get bad. I'm not telling you we don't live in a world where that happens. What I am telling you is that even in that situation, you don't have to be afraid. And after the situation, you do not have to be afraid anymore. Because I want you to think about this. Fear, worry, Jesus taught us, does not give us one benefit. Now, you may say, well, if I see a lion and I get afraid, I have a benefit because I'm going to run really fast. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the art of self-defense and your body having these mechanisms to defend yourself. I'm talking about if you were right now a Christian caught by ISIS and there's 25 of your buddies there and they have blindfolded you and they are bringing you out to the ocean to behead you. I am telling you in that situation, your God tells you, don't be afraid. He actually said it. Don't be afraid of those who can kill your body but not destroy your soul. Did he not say that, friends? Am I making this up? Because I can tell some of you are looking at me and going like, oh, no, Pastor, you don't understand. There are things in my life that, that God gives me permission to be afraid of. Because I, if I'm not afraid, then I don't care. You know, because sometimes we take caring about something with fearing about something. And we are duped into believing that our worry means we're caring. But worry is not the same as care. I did not say that it was, there were not things to care about. There are tons of things to care about in this world. And they, they increase every day. Are, are, are there not? I mean, I care about my children playing in the neighborhood. I care about the friends that they're making. I care about how I drive in traffic with Chicagoans today. Amen. I want to make it home alive. I, I care about what the economy does. I care about that. But there is a difference between caring and being anxious. There is a difference between being wise and being fearful. Just go with me quickly. This ain't even in the notes. This is free. Everybody say it's free. Look at your neighbor. Say, we get a lot of free stuff here. 
Okay, come on, go quickly. Matthew 6, 33, not even in the notes. This is for you. It's land yap in French, means something extra. I used to live in New Orleans, baby. Land yap. Anybody want some land yap? Anybody want something extra? Here it comes. Look at what Jesus said. Don't take my word for it because I want, I want to walk you through this today. Today's going to be awesome. You're thinking about your fears. Some people may say, well, Pastor, you don't understand. I have a right to be afraid. You are right. There are scary situations. Like, imagine this today. Imagine you're being deployed. We have some of our friends in this church. We honored them yesterday, uh, last week for Memorial Day. Uh, you know, of course, Veterans Day, you honor the living. Memorial Day, you honor the dead. But I'm like, every time I get a chance, I'm honoring a soldier. Amen? Because they're laying their life down for us. So imagine this. You're being deployed right now to go fight ISIS. That's a fearful situation. People can kill you. They don't like American soldiers. Are you with me? They would love to capture you, put you on TV, behead you, and bring terror to all your buddies in the core so they don't come out and get them. But how many know when you start messing with Americans like that, bombing us, you know, at, at Pearl Harbor, blowing up our buildings, how many know you don't make us afraid? You just make us get some courage to want to blow you to kingdom come. I just want to put some Bible verses on them, Scud missiles or whatever we're sending out over there and say, I'm sending you to meet Jesus. You're going to find out who the real God is in just a minute, in just about a minute. You just wait right there. Okay, amen. I'm just helping somebody here today. Look at this. Here's Jesus talking. Verse 34, therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So now imagine you are that Marine. I'm talking real talk, real life, okay, real life. Or imagine today you're a person that has your doctor's appointment Monday because a church like this, we always got people coming in and out the doctor. I just had, had it right on my Facebook feed two days ago. Uh, one of my friend's wives had a little bump on her skin, little bump. Went in, skin cancer, okay? Now imagine, that's you. That's your wife, okay? We're going we're gonna to deal with it now. Come in Monday. Let's find out how bad it is. Imagine you're that Marine. Come on, you're going to, you're going to get deployed. Or maybe your boss said to you, hey, we're doing some cutbacks. We don't know who's getting cut back, but I'll meet you Monday at the office. Okay, let's talk real. Today is Sunday. Tomorrow is Monday. And you have all of these worries and concerns. And what does God say? Do not worry. Don't be afraid. That's what he says. Do you know why? Because he holds the future in his hands. He holds it all in his hands. Cancer is not bigger than God. Your job is not bigger than God. Every possible bad situation that could happen to you is not bigger than your God. Now ask yourself this question as I get ready to preach. Look at your neighbor and say, it's just the introduction. Just the introduction. There's so much more to talk about. Go back to the notes, please. We're back to the pretty picture. We haven't even got to the scriptures yet. When you think about fear and your fears right now, ask yourself this question. Do I believe that Jesus does not want me to fear these things. You have to answer that, right? I have to answer that. Let's get to the scripture. Everybody turn with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 41, verse 10. If you're there, say, I'm there. If you're not, say, hold up. Man, I got to pray for some more bad weather because y'all filling up the church today, amen? Thank you, Jesus. Nobody going to the beach today. Nobody going to the park. I got to pray for this every Sunday. Lord, make it snow today, Jesus, in July. Shut down every park. You know what I'm saying? Come on. Y'all filling it up. Amen. 
Isaiah 41.10. Look at what the prophet said. Fear not. This is God speaking through the prophet. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Why is it in every life situation, whether it's the handicapped child, how many parents here, the number one thing you feared having a baby was would the baby come out with any deformity or sickness or illness, right? You know what I'm talking about. But why is it when you look at the handicapped child and the parent, you see so much courage? facing their situations. I wish I could put up for you a picture of a dear friend I have on Facebook. She is handicapped from the neck down, her whole body, yet she's still in school. She's passing her classes, and, and you see a gym class, literally, she just put it up the other day. She's in her gym class, they're passing the ball around, and they're literally just letting the ball go on her chest, and they're passing it to their friend, and she says, I'm so proud of my daughter. See, why is it you see that courage? In the face of fear. Where does that come from? It comes from God. Whether man ever admits it, it comes from God. It's not primal instinct. Why is it when we see a burning building, we don't run away? You understand? Set your building down. Every now and then you might find a little trained dog that wants to go into that burning building. But most of the time they're just going to run scared. But why is it when we see danger, human beings will run into danger if there's an opportunity to save somebody? You see, you have the instinct to go save yourself. There's an instinct. Don't go to that burning building. Don't step in front of that, police, uh, that bullet, you know, police officers. Why do we have these folks that do this for us? When everything in their instinct says save yourself. This is called altruism. This is a unique part of us. And every now and then we'll find a cute little puppy that does it. But I'm not talking about just one every now and then. Because keep following that puppy. It will puke and eat its own vomit. And then it will kill three other puppies if it gets hungry enough. Are you listening to me? I'm talking about why are there human beings that live their life helping others? Why are there parents that will give up everything just for their kids? Because this is innate in us. We're made in the image of God. And God is saying both to sinners and to saints, recognize that I have a plan for you. I will uphold you. I will strengthen you. I will be with you. So I want you to look at every one of your fears right now right in the face. Don't run from those fears. Don't let those fears have you tuck tail and go the other way. You face them right head on and say, I will not fear. I know God is with me. You ever heard of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these guys in the Bible? They tell them, don't, they, they say, worship this idol. Get down on your knees and worship it, right? Now imagine that. Imagine I bring you to Soldier Stadium and we erect a statue, or they erect a statue to Mayor uh, Daly, or no, not Mayor, Rahm Emanuel, and, we, and they say, everybody bow down or we're going to put you in an oven and set you on fire. Now imagine you being in a nation where everybody starts bowing down, and there's a good movie or the TV series, The Bible. It's free on Netflix now. I'm watching it with my kids, and it shows this. Everybody's bowing down, and here's just three out of a crowd of thousands standing up. Imagine that. And then they say, bow, or we're going to throw you in there. And they start heating that fire up two times, three times as hot as it was. People who are throwing the wood into the fire are themselves catching on fire. This is what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said. They said, listen right here. We may die right now, but understand this. We're not bowing down. So whether we live or we die, know this, we serve God. See, would you have that kind of courage? I hope that you would because that's what God's asking us to do. Amen? Let's open up to another scripture. How many like their Bible? Amen. Let's turn with me to Philippians 4, verse 4. How many would rather hear me tell jokes or read the Bible? How many want to hear the Bible? How many want to hear me just tell jokes? 
Okay, good. Let's read the Bible. Amen. How many want both? Yeah, I want both. Amen. Yeah. It's like, do you want to get arrested or kicked in the mouth? How about neither? You know what I'm saying? I know. I always ask trick questions. You got to keep, keep up with me. Watch this. This is the message today. It's all in this passage of Scripture. This is Paul preaching to us today. Receive it as him speaking to you and I, because I believe it's the eternal word of God coming through Paul the apostle. Listen to what he says in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord sometimes only when things go your way. Is that what it says? Rejoice in the Lord always just on payday and when everything goes right at your job. Rejoice in the Lord when you have no problems. Rejoice in the Lord how often? Always. And in case you didn't get it, I will say it again. What? There you go. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Be anxious for nothing is today's title of the sermon. In another translation, it says be anxious for nothing. This version says do not be anxious about anything. Is there anything God says it's okay to freak out about? Just go ahead and freak out. It's okay. Just freak out. It's just good. Is there anything that God just does that? Is there anything that ever catches God by surprise? From your tragedy to 9-11 to sickness to the things that happen in our life, is there anything that ever catches God by surprise where he's in heaven talking to the angels going, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. Angels, come here, come here, come here. We, are, we, we got a problem. We've got a problem in Chicago. This is happening right now. And for some reason, Jesus sounds like an effeminate guy who does home remodeling. I don't know. Hey, let's just put a little peach right here, a little teal. Let's just make this all nice. So this, I don't know. This is my silly Jesus. So does silly Jesus talk in heaven like this? Oh, my goodness. Look at all the problems. Is that how he talks? <laughs> how many are thankful he doesn't talk that way? Amen. Amen. But how many know Jesus loves effeminate people who do talk that way? So if you're here and you talk like this, just know Jesus loves you. Amen. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Nothing's catching heaven by surprise. There's never ex excuse for us to say, oh, I can freak out now. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. See, people want to call this yoga now. Well, I'm just going to sit here and think about nothing. I'm just going to think about nothing. I'm going to keep thinking about nothing. And they put these people on brain scans, and you think it's all cool because they're, they're there sitting still. But really, their brain is not less active. Their brain is more active because what they're doing is just thinking really hard about not thinking about something. You understand what I'm saying? Like, think really hard about not thinking about a red ball. As I keep talking about the red ball, think really hard not to think about the red ball. There's a red ball, and I'm asking you not to think about the red ball. How hard are you thinking right now not to think about the red ball? So I'm not thinking, I'm not thinking, I'm not thinking, I'm not. Yes, you're thinking the whole time you're saying you're not thinking. Wake up. Eat a hamburger. Stop being a vegetarian. Put back on your pants, sir. You know. Stop doing the crooked chicken, you know, and live your life. We're not here to try to walk on rice paper or hang out with the Dalai Lama. I'm here to live in the real world, Jack, and I'm here to do it with Jesus. I can take on everything with Jesus. Amen?
Hallelujah. That helped somebody. Or at least it made somebody laugh. The word and making you laugh come together at Metro Praise. You're welcome. Look at that. Present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Can I get the illustration of that with this sheet here today? I want you guys to see this. I'm having so much fun reading the Bible. I need two tall brothers, Jared and uh, Berto, come up with this sheet. And uh, Ishmael, would you move this up here? Because I want to make an illustration for everybody to see here. Everybody say God's peace is, transcends my understanding. Say not some of my understanding, but all my understanding. You see, if you could understand it, it's not God's peace. Okay, I want to give this to you. If you could understand how God was going to fix your situation, then it would not be God's peace. God's peace is beyond our understanding. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have a part to play with wisdom and God's understanding given to us in practical means. But when you face a situation in life that is truly fearful and terrifying, your understanding will be like a veil that holds you back from getting peace. Let me just talk real. Can I talk real to some of you guys here today? Okay. See, when I first got saved, I had a fear of my past that I was going to go back to drugs. And it got to be so bad that at night when I used to do drugs to put myself to sleep, I began to have anxiety. And my fear was something's going to happen to me. I will not be able to live out my Christian life. And when I would try to understand it, like I used to do drugs, I don't do drugs now, I'm just going to be a good person, I'm not going to do the things I used to do, I'm going to make new friendships, it just did not make sense to me. Now to some of you who didn't do drugs and commit crimes, that would make perfect sense to you. But for me, when I was on drugs and I was dropping out of high school and I had chosen a life that brought me a certain amount of pleasure, that brought me a certain amount of adrenaline, that brought me a certain amount of companionship, I couldn't figure it out. And one day when I was trying to quit smoking and I was doing it all in my own effort, I just went onto my uh, carpet and I just fell on the floor and I said, God, I don't know how to quit smoking. And this is what he said. He said, I've got peace beyond your understanding and I want you to meet me on this side I want you to present your addiction of cigarettes present your addiction of drugs to me you do that and I will give you peace and this understanding is not where it's coming from it's coming from the peace of God the God who gives peace that's mine now I'm gonna give some more examples you all ready both of these men lost their fathers in the same year. Both of these men had to bury their dads. Now, think about that. You start to have sadness in your heart. And you start to ask yourself, how am I going to make it without my dad? The one we call the Aztec warrior, he got that from his dad. Were you taller than your dad about the same height? Just a little bit or a lot of bit? Because he was pretty tall. Okay, because you're pretty tall, too. How tall was your dad? Well, my dad, well, he got old. He died 81, so he was like, so he was like, what, 5'8"? Five five yeah, but when he. But he was about 6 foot. Because he kind of looked tall. Yeah, he looked tall. Did your dad teach you how to play baseball? 
Yes, he did. Taught you how to do all those things, right? Now, think about this. I don't understand how I'm going to go through life without my dad. See, can you, see, you, some of you might have been real smart on the drug thing. Well, I understand how he can do it. Just don't do drugs. Drugs are dumb. Don't do that. I understand that. That's simple. Okay, well, let's, let's, let's make it a little bit harder. How, how do you tell somebody to go on without their dad? Well, are you just going to say something cheesy like, you'll be fine. It's okay. He's in heaven. You'll meet him up there someday. No, but what do you do when you want to pick up the phone and say, Dad, let's watch the Cubs game today? How, how, do, you find it? how do you find peace in that? Jared grew up with a father that was distant in his life, but towards the end of his father's life, they began to reconnect. And if you look at a picture of him and his dad, they look almost identical. How do you find peace when you have your dad's ashes, and he had his dad's memorial here, you have your dad's ashes sitting on top of the podium, and you're saying to yourself, I don't understand why I didn't have enough time to get closer to my dad. I don't understand why we couldn't have shared more memories together. This is what God says. This is what the Bible says. Present your requests unto God. And the peace of God, which transcends your understanding, which goes beyond this dark veil of what you cannot see, is with God over here. And if you'll do your part, he'll do his part. And you see, that's where we have to begin to trust God more than we trust ourselves. Because we will freak ourselves out. We will tell ourselves these lies and believe them. And then we'll begin to say, this is my life. This darkness is my life. I'll never be the same again. This is where I live. Because that's all I can understand. That's all I can see. Imagine it being pitch black. I can't see Singles, young people here, I can't see a wife and family. I didn't grow up with a, with a mom and dad in the same house. I didn't grow up in church. I can't see a blessed family. One of the young ladies of our youth group, did both. I did both of her parents' funerals. They both died of drug addictions and overdoses. She was in high school, buried both of them. And she told me she got to a place she couldn't see a future for herself. All she could see is the death of her family, the shame of growing up sleeping on neighbors' couches because mom and dad can't take care of her. All she saw in life was evil and pain and hurt and suffering. But God. But God, when she said, Jesus, I don't understand this. I don't understand what happened to my mom and my dad. I don't understand how I'm going to make it, but I'm going to present to you my prayers, my petitions. I'm going to thank you for all that you've done. The Bible says, and I watched it happen, that peace comes to her heart and came to her heart. Are you guys with me? Some of us, 2008. I, I was going on boats. You know, I, I was teasing about boat people, but I love boat people. I used to wakeboard and get on boats and have fun, go to Fox River, Fox Lake, hang out. One of my friends, brand new boat, $70,000 boat, brand new trailer to pull the boat, you know, brand new, uh, what are those big mobile home things you drive around and take vacations in? Campers, big RV camper, living the life. 
when that economy went like this, he he did woodworking in big homes in Chicago. Did mayor one of the mayor dailies homes? You know, you know, expensive cabinetry and all that. When that went down, the boat had to go, camper had to go, business had to go. And now what do you got? Come on, some of you men can relate to this. Come on, let's be honest, men. You know what it felt like. Some of you were there. Some of you still may be there now. All of a sudden, you're looking at your career. It's gone. It's dead. You're looking at your future. You can't see none. And now you feel afraid. I'm afraid I'm going to be poor. I'm afraid I can't provide for my children. But what did he begin to do? What did he do? Present his request to God. God, I don't understand how I'm going to find a job, but I'll be an insurance salesman if I have to. God, I'm going to present my needs unto you, and I'm going to receive your peace and not live in the veil of my understanding, but live in the mind of Christ. Can I do it one more time? I know it's silly, but I'm having fun. I'm having fun. I'm going to do it one more time. I don't even know who, what illustration. I got so many illustrations. Lord's help me just pick this last one right here because I got so many testimonies. There are, there are literally things happening in this church day to day that just blow my mind. Let me just say this before I give the last illustration of this scripture. There are so many things in this church that I hear about that literally just, it breaks my heart, you know, about what people go through, what people are, are what you're facing. You know, sometimes I, I look at the prayer requests. And, and it's just, you know, because we have a prayer request thing on Facebook. And, and it's just literally I'll be in the middle of my day and, and my heart will just get so heavy because of what some of you are facing with. So let me just say this as my last example. Whatever your fear is, just imagine it's up here. Okay? Just imagine this. Imagine, wife, you just heard your husband was cheating on you. That happens more than you would think in a church, but it happens. You know, it's not good, but it happens. Imagine young person. Imagine you just lost one of your friends to drugs or gangs and violence. I just had one of my, my friends on the west side just post up already. A young man has died. So, you know, you're seeing it happen in front of you. Uh, you know, just imagine that. And what is God saying? Is he saying we're going to stay here and understand it all? Think about this. Imagine if you were mountain biking and you were riding your mountain bike and you were having fun and you were going down a hill and all of a sudden you crash and you broke your arm. Now watch. Imagine if you had a med student and a doctor who was a specialist in, in broken bones, okay? You had two people, a med student and a specialist in broken bones. Would you want the med student to come up to you and be like, uh, gee, sir, it looks like you broke that bone. Let me just tell you a little bit about that. Well, your bone is made out of calcium, and see, right now the blood vessel has split, and it's bleeding everywhere, and what's happening is the brain and the nerve cells are going up through your spine to your head. That's why you're screaming really loud, and you see what we need? How, how many would want a just a med student to come and just describe your symptoms just so you could understand just how you broke your arm? Or would you want the doctor, the one trained, to rush in and just be like, man, I got you. Look, let's get a splint. Let's wrap them up. Let's get them together, right? What do you want? Do you want God to have a five-hour conversation to explain why crazy things happen in life? Or do you just want God to fix it? Jesus, I don't want to understand all this. I just need to get to the other side. I need to get to peace in my heart. I need to get to peace in my mind. I don't care about the devil. I care about peace. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap. Amen. Thank you, gentlemen. That's life, friends. 
I mean, think about it if God would stop and just tell you about every wrong thing and why it happens the way it does. It wouldn't fix nothing. Just because he's explained it to you so you now understand it, how does that fix anything? I'm not saying let's not use our minds. I'm just saying when you're trying to combat the deepest, darkest fears of your life, and it's game time, okay? Because if if some of y'all are just like, well, I don't have fears like that, then you don't have the kind of fear I'm talking about. I'm not talking about silly little fear. I'm talking about real fears. I'm talking about when you're facing it right in front of you. You know what I'm talking about. Your heart's beating. You can barely take in a breath. You're palpitating. Your, your palms are getting sweaty. Despair is coming into your mind. And you're thinking, how in the world do I make it through this? This is how we make it through, by presenting our requests to God. And then he says the peace of God transcends our understanding. Now what do we do after that? The Bible says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Everybody say, think about such things. No matter where we find ourselves in life, we have to choose to think about right and pure and noble things. We have to. If we allow our minds to be drawn towards the negative, the negative will begin to take our joy out of our lives. Now think about Jesus. Just think about Jesus on the planet. Did Jesus understand that people were going to hell while he was walking the planet? Yes, he did. I mean, hell is real. He talked about hell. Did he not tell a parable about it? He said, this is what hell's like. A man dies. He's there. He's burning. He calls out for water. He's so desperate, he wishes somebody would just dip their finger in water and and put it on their tongue. That's how Jesus described hell. So when Jesus was on earth, did he know that there was a hell? So why was he at a wedding making some wine and hanging out with everybody? Because he chose to see the joy of his father even in the midst of suffering. I am not going to let this world depress me, oppress me, and suppress my joy. Are you listening? I won't let it oppress, depress, or suppress me. I may have to fight some things in life. I may have to do some difficult things in life. You and I may face some very troubling things in life. But while I'm facing them, I'm going to think about what's true, what's right, what's noble, what's lovely, what's admirable, what's excellent, or praiseworthy. Amen? We are choosing in our minds what to think about. We are choosing every day what to think about. Are we going to think about that which is disgusting, that which is evil, that which is negative, or are we going to place our mind on Christ? And I even want to speak to people once again, like our friends in the army, police or nurses, even in the midst of you dealing with despicable things, you don't have to let it get into your heart. You guard your heart. Amen? We guard our heart even in the midst of physical battle. I'm happy for that today. Amen? Look at this in closing. He says, whatever you have learned or whatever you have heard or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Let's summarize what we just learned here for God's plan for peace. How many want God's plan for peace? Amen. This is God's plan for peace. Number one, you always rejoice. Number two, you be gentle to all. You make a decision. You treat others like the way you want to be treated. That's at least, uh, that, that is by, um, by at least doing that, you have cleared your conscience of the folly of what other people have done. Because you've said, I've given you a chance, right? So a boss, 
you're going to be gentle to your employee. Hey, don't do that. That's not what you want to do. I wouldn't do that if I was working for you, you know. Any bosses here? Any bosses, right? Anybody here have to talk to employees like that sometimes? Do you keep your house a mess like this? And they may say, yes, I do. Okay, well, then this is not your house. We keep our business clean, right? But then if they don't listen, what do you do? You fire them, but you can say, at least I was gentle. Amen? Like the Marines, stop killing our folks over there, and we'll just put you in prison for a long time. Oh, are you still killing our folks? We're going to start dropping bombs on you. But at least we gave you a gentle solution. Are you with me? Police officers, a lot of this stuff on the media, there's, both, there's two sides to it, right? The stuff in Baltimore is two sides. Yes, there's a racism and all this and that. Police officer says, get down. You don't get down. There was your gentle request. Are you listening? After that, however it goes, you can at least say they gave me a gentle request and I didn't choose it. You find your face down on the pavement. Why did you find your face down the pavement, okay? Just ask yourself that question. Now, I'm not saying that every situation is always righteous and just, but I'm just asking everybody here to think about it. Be gentle. Everybody say be gentle. Don't be anxious about anything, but pray with thanksgiving. Number four, let the peace of God guard your hearts and mind. Uh, number five, think on good things. Number six, practice peace. Turn with me quickly to Colossians 3.15. How many are getting something out of today? Amen. It's so good that you're here. I want to show you a passage, Colossians 3.15, that I hope that will encourage you and I. Does anybody sense hypocrisy in my heart today? Have I pretended like I don't have fears in my life? Have I, have I given you that impression? I hope that I haven't. Have I, have I painted for you a false picture of the world? A yellow brick road, a rosy, churchy picture that ain't real. Have I painted that false view? Okay. Because I just want to make sure. You know I'm not a hypocrite. That means I'm telling you I face fears like you, right? I face fears. And number two, I'm telling you we're dealing in the real world, correct? Okay. I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. Amen. Somebody say, preacher, preacher. All right. I'm going to try. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since, as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. So I wanted to show you this sister scripture to the passage we just read that talks about presenting prayers to God. And as we're presenting prayers, God is giving us peace. We're giving prayers to him. He's giving peace to us. This is the terminology in this passage by the same author, Paul, that I think helps us understand what's happening here. When we are doing that, we are letting the peace of God rule in our hearts. Okay? Now, just watch this right here. Just watch this right here. I'm just going to, we're going to do an illustration. And it might get a little messy. Okay, it might get a little messy up in here. Okay, so I just want you to follow me. I want you to try to stand up. Come on, boy. Come on, boy. Come on. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Everybody feels sorry for him. I got to go pick on somebody big. What you got, boy? <laughs> it's about ready to get messy. Just don't tackle me. Here is the object in case we get it mixed up with UFC fighting. Don't, the object isn't tap me out. The object is try to stand up. Give it up for the beast. You did. You did. I'll, t I'll go with that. Watch. He didn't let himself stay down. He fought to get up. 
That's what some of us are doing against God's peace. He said, I prepare, Psalm 23, a table before you in the presence of your enemies. And God is saying, I got you. He, he's saying, sit here, trust in me, have the table I've presented before you, and let my peace rule your heart. And some of us are like, no, no, God, I don't need your peace. I'm going to do this on my own. And then we find ourselves in a world without God's peace, and we're struggling, and we're fighting, and we're blaming it on the devil, and God is saying, I'm trying to let peace rule over you. Now you may say God's strong enough to put me down, but see, God gives us free will. And have you ever been in a situation when you disobeyed God and you didn't feel his peace anymore? Have you ever been in a marriage relationship or a marriage discussion, husbands and wives, and you all didn't feel the peace of God? It was because somebody was resisting the peace. God was trying to tell the husband, just calm down. It's okay. Be humble. Talk to your wife gently, right? Be gentle. Talk to your wife like, no, she deserves it like this. She should have known. What happened? Resist peace. Pushing peace away from you. Not being in the place of blessing. And then what happens? Then the fight, then the name calling, then all of this trouble, all of this turmoil. And God was saying to you, be at peace. But if you want to resist me, you can. I've given you free will. When Adam and Eve went to sin, God didn't force them and just stop them and freeze them and say they couldn't sin. When Cain wanted to kill Abel, he didn't make the rocks stop in midair. God gives us a choice. Do you want to let peace rule your heart? That's the question I have to ask myself. Or do I want to resist against God's peace? Can I get an amen? Please go back to the, uh, the points. In closing, uh, Vinny, would you come, please? I want you to think about a few things in closing. When you put this all together, there are situations here that are going to come easier and harder at different times of your life. Let me give you an example. Let's just start with the first one. Always rejoicing. How do you rejoice when someone tells you something tragic and you don't see anything good in it? But God is commanding you to rejoice. So sometimes people get confused they, they think that God is telling them, oh, rejoice in the Lord always. Okay, so you mean I just got the call that my dad has passed and now I need to rush to the hospital? On the way to the hospital, I'm supposed to say, thank you, Jesus, my dad's gone? No, because, see, people don't understand what this means. When it says rejoice, what's the next phrase? Rejoice in who? In the Lord. See, that comes hard to some people because they confuse what we're rejoicing in. Do I rejoice in tragedy? Right? Do I rejoice in those things? I'm so happy that the earthquake happened and Paul and all these people died. I'm so happy. I'm just, it's going to, God told me to do it, so I guess I'm going to rejoice. No. So what do we do in those times of sadness? We rejoice in the Lord. We come to him and say, God... This is a terrible situation, but I'm rejoicing in you right now because I know you're going to take care of us, and you're going to turn this into a testimony, something good. Let me help you see something that was shared with me a while back about 
how we'll look at the world when this life is over. See, right now, the devil does two tricks with us. He causes calamity, disaster, evil, whatever, and then he points to God and says it's God's fault. So number one, he causes these issues, and then number two, he points to God and says it's his fault. And then what happens to us, we blame God, and then therefore we have now cut ourselves off from the peace of God, and now we're actually an enemy of God. So you see, the devil tricks us. He's a liar. Are you with me? He doesn't like you. He doesn't like me. That's how he operates, and that's how the worldly understanding operates. But this is something that I want to encourage you with. Think back when you were in kindergarten about two or three memories, just any memory. I mean, going to the water fountain, somebody wearing a nice pair of shoes or something. I have weird memories of kindergarten, right? Now, try with all of your might to remember Tuesday, September 4th, the first week in September of your kindergarten year. Like, you, you just can't do it, can you, right? It's like... Unless you, like, are a savant or something, right? You just, there's just no way to do it. But yet you know you were there, and you have, like, these, these blips. And, and for the most part, just for this example, follow me, our memories are probably either insignificant or they're good, unless something ha bad happened to you, right? I mean, most of them are good, like you hung out with somebody. They gave you a piece of candy. Are you guys with me? Now watch this. Imagine when we get to heaven. See, the reason when you look back on kindergarten now and can't put that date where it was is because your mind has been filling in other important information and short-term memory has been replaced with other memories. Are you with me? And when you look back, you look back on those highlights. When you get to heaven, God is going to wipe every tear from your eye and you will look back after being there for a million, two million years on this earth, and all that will be highlighted is what he did for his good and how it worked for your good as well. You will not be in heaven complaining to God going, well, why did you let this molester do this? And why did you allow this car accident to happen? When you get to heaven, the tears are wiped and the memories now are replaced by the glory of God. You will look at life literally as one big story of God's love, protection, provision, and you'll see how he brought you through the valley to his mountain. How he brought you through every sorrow every trouble, every trial, every enemy, everything worked for your good. That's how it will be. So right now as we're living in it and memories are real and pain is real and we're waiting for the day when tears are wiped away and we understand it all. While we're here we rejoice in the God who's already there. He's here, but he already knows the future over there. He says something like this to you and I today. I see you in the future, and you're much more happier than you are now. I see you in the future. And you're much more beautiful than you are now. I see you in the future and you're more healed than you are now. Hold on. Don't give up. 
press through. Why is it all of those analogies in the Bible are hold on, press through, fight the good fight? Because God is saying, I see the end. I know what it looks like. And I don't want you to give up now because of the pain. And here's the beauty of that. Is you say, well, then what happens to the pain? It was real. It was judged on Calvary. The abuser's abuse was judged on Calvary. God took it. Now, if that abuser never repents of it, they'll go to hell for their sins, just like Lauren said. But the abuse was paid for. The murder was paid for. Are you with me? And while he was paying for it on the cross, the divine soul of Christ gave comfort to all who call out his name for those pains. Isaiah 53. Go there quickly with me in closing. Second closing. Can I do three closings today? I had a big introduction, somewhat of a short message, but so I can get three closings. Amen? Okay. Here it is. Surely, go on. Do I got it right here? Watch this right here. Hello, somebody. How many love Jesus? How many love hearing about Jesus? Watch it right here. Surely. Is anybody here named Shirley? Okay, because I was going to say, surely he took. No, I'm kidding. Anyways, can you highlight the part where it says surely? Surely he took and bore our suffering. See, he took it. So I don't have to be afraid of it today. That's good news. So anything I'm afraid of, he's already took. He's already took. Your biggest fears, your biggest pains, your biggest setbacks, he's already took. And he wants to give you peace. It's not a shallow peace. It's grounded in the love of God displayed on the cross of Jesus Christ. As real as the crucifixion of Jesus was, and by the way, that's one of the most attested parts of Jesus' life. As real as that was, is as real as the peace he gives you. Can we all stand to our feet today? If you believe in Jesus, can you give him a hand clap of praise? It's worth it. Amen. Isn't it worth praising him? Amen. We could start rejoicing now, can't we? Oh, thank you, Lord. I want you to see this passage in closing. Can you go to the end, please? As the band and altar workers come, Isaiah said, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Remember those fears we talked about at the beginning? What are you going to do with them? You really got two options. Three would, the third one would be deny them, but that's just redonkulous. There's no reason to do that. Don't do that. Here's two options. We all got fears. We'll all deal with them. Some of us may not have them now, but they'll be coming. Two options. Here we go. Number one, we handle them ourselves, and we try to figure it out. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it. Or we give it to God in exchange for his peace. Right? Those of you, let's just be real before we close out. Those of you who are new to the church, new to this way of doing things, how has trying to fix it yourself gone for you? I mean, let's be honest. How has it gone for you? How has that worked? How did it work? How, how, how did it work you trying to fix it? Give God a try. 
Even if you're new to the church, you don't understand everything I preached about, hear this last scripture today. Give God a try. Put your mind on him. When I first became saved and I dealt with those fears, I didn't know anything more than anybody here knew. But I just read scriptures like this, and I thank God there were pastors and preachers in my life that taught me the word. And I began to practice it. I call it practicing peace. Began practicing peace to overcome drug addiction. Now, once again, that may not be a problem for some of you because you were never on drugs. But for me, that was a big deal. You know what? I didn't take 12 steps. I took one step to Jesus, and it's been 20 years. I think it worked. Amen? Praise God. One step to Jesus. The peace of God is like that today. So for new Christians, you're, you're, you don't get it all. It's okay. Start with what you know. God is bigger than me. I get that. He understands my problems. I get that. Okay, let's make a trade. I'll trade my problems for his peace. Start there. Now, as simple as that is, some of you have been walking with the Lord for a time, right? And now you have these fears that kind of got exposed maybe during this sermon series that maybe you didn't know were there or you were denying or hiding. I just want to speak to you just for a second because I've been there. You've got to go back to those same principles that you did when you first got saved. It's not that God stopped doing it. It's you stopped working the Word. The Word will always work for you if you will work the Word. So can I tell you a quick story? Just the, the piano, please. I read a Facebook post from a Christian magazine. This is what it said. Man caught in adultery commits suicide in the church parsonage. And I began to think to myself, how in the world does it get that bad? He stopped living for Christ. He stopped doing things God's way. And then when it all hit him, he had forgot or just chose to rebel against God's plan of peace. And that was his only way out. Now you think, for me reading that, as a man who loves my boobster boo, who will never cheat on her by God's grace, amen, show them how we do it. And we sing a little song together. We're a team, we're a team, a really, really good team. So if y'all ever see me with another team member, you need to leave this church, pray for me, and ask that I don't kill myself. Because you would not believe the fear that came into my heart when I read that article. I don't, I don't have any intention on cheating on my wife. I don't have any intention on committing suicide. But all of a sudden, I began to think to myself, oh, what if I did that? What if it, this happened? What if I gave up all my... And fear just captured me. I've been serving the Lord 20 years. We're celebrating our 10-year anniversary. And a stupid, ridiculous fear caught my heart. And if you'll be honest, Christians, it could happen to you too. Just like I said, you'll read an article, something about the kids. Oh, my goodness. You'll read something about the economy. Oh, my goodness. And what we have to do is we have to stop ourselves and say, I'm not going down that road. This mind is not going to try to understand the mind of a suicidal pastor. I'm going to understand the mind of Christ. 
That's why we teach in this church. We don't have to be as jacked up as you to help you out of being jacked up. All we need to be is healthy and whole, and we'll help you get healthy and whole. Well, you don't know my problem. You don't know what it's like being a redheaded stepchild left alone all by yourself. And I don't need to know all. Here's what I know. Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Greater is he that lives in you than he that's in the world. You're more than a conqueror. That's what I know. We don't have to know every problem. I don't have to know what it's like. Watch. I don't have to know what it's like to lose your dad, lose a child in, 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 a, in, a, in an incubator. I do, we don't. We, we can't. All, all of us can't know each other's suffering. It's impossible. The Bible even says only your heart even knows your own suffering. But God knows. And so when you come to a church like this, please hear us. Make a trade. Because I was there with Jessica when baby Hezekiah was prematurely born. And then he passed. And we had to bury him. And there was a God that gave her peace beyond her understanding. Because how do you understand the death of a child? You don't. Not this side of heaven, you don't. And now she's pregnant with her second. Glory to God. She'll see Hezekiah in heaven, understand it all. And she has children on this earth. It wasn't over. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that today you're the God of peace. You give your peace to all those who ask for it. So in an attitude of prayer, saints, if you need the peace of God, would you make an exchange right now? Would you say, Lord, I hand you my fears and I receive your peace? Simple prayers will change your life like this. It's not complicated. This is the doorway to your miracle. Just right now before we leave, I tried to end as early as I can before 12 to give us this time in prayer. Would you make an exchange right now? I'm trading, Lord, my fears for your peace. I hope that some of you are encouraged even as you're praying because maybe before you thought you had to understand it to get peace, but now you get it. If I understood it, it wouldn't even be peace. I wouldn't need to pray about it. I don't need to pray about putting on my shoes. I get it. I'm not staring at my shoes today. Oh, my gosh, I just can't understand this. The things I can understand, God told me to do. Good, tie my shoe, get in my house, eat food. You know, but these things, losing children, going through hardships, how are you going to understand that? But God does, and he wants to give peace. Come on, 30 more seconds. I'm releasing fears to God. I'm releasing anxieties to God. I'm releasing worries to God. I'm releasing pain to God. I'm releasing emotional distress to God. All of it he can have, and I'll take peace. Peace like a river. Peace, oh, hallelujah, peace deep within my soul. Peace that only heaven knows. Peace to keep me in the midst of a storm. I receive it. And like Paul said, I will put it into practice. I will think on good things. I will not believe the lies of the devil. Can we pray right now in closing to do that? And then as we dismiss, the band will pray and just uh, play a song in just a moment. The altar workers will be here to pray. But before we do that, I want to pray for you one last time. And I just want to pray a prayer like how I would pray if I wasn't in church. But if, but if I was going through a situation, 
how I would do it. Can I just, can I just keep that real with you? I just want to demonstrate it as much as I can. Father, you see that I'm getting my doctorate. You see that I'm fathering four children. You see that I'm pastoring a growing church. And Lord, sometimes I'm afraid that I'm not good enough to do all of this. And sometimes, God, I feel like I have to quit to get away from the pressure because it hurts. And sometimes, God, I don't want to tell anybody because I'm ashamed that they'll look down on me and not think I'm a good enough man. Sometimes I feel like I'm alone. But Lord, I present to you my family, my wife, and my kids. And I ask you, God, to be in me the best father that they could ever have. And I ask you, God, in me, that you would be the best husband for my wife, that you would strengthen me. And that, God, you would help me to study, to show myself approved, and to pastor these wonderful people you have placed in my life for my purpose. I rejoice and I thank you for who you are and that you're my strength, you're the uplifter of my head, you hold me by my right hand, and you're the one who calms my heart and brings me peace. And I thank you that you know every one of my sorrows because you carried them all. I choose today to think on the things you said I could do. Now, Lord, I pray that this congregation will not leave out of here sensing hypocrisy or a false promise of hope, but that they will leave out of here with a genuine faith, a deep-rooted, sincere joy that they know you're with them you will guide them, and that when they pray, you will transfer to them peace beyond their understanding. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody said, if you believe that today, can you give them a shout of praise? Hallelujah.